0: Hey guys, it's Simmer with Boldly. We started News back in February as a regularly curated playlist that would highlight the musical tastes and identities of various movers and shakers in our Punjabi no. community. We were very lucky that our first playlist was curated by the up-and-coming talented UK producer no. Amit Balasingh Kalar or A.S. Kalar. At that time, he had just released his first project, Grove Lane no. Tales, and most recently his single, Guns Village. As Boldly, a couple months ago we were able no. to sit down with talk about everything from his musical influences to song choices in his playlist you know, to behind-the-scenes the stories of him making Lane tales highly recommend checking it out he's a great guy great conversation TUNE IN Hello? <laughs> Barry. Hello Ji!
1: What's so, up? Uh,
0: thank you so much for, I know it's late over there. Thanks for jumping on the call with us. I guess just starting off, you want to tell us about the playlist, tell us about the songs on it. Like how do the, how do the like track list of songs in this playlist, like how is that like your footprint, your ID,
1: you know, as a producer? Firstly, it shaped like the vocalists that I like, raw, harsh, powerhouse vocalists. And then musically, it's shaped by those kind of songs because, regardless of what songs I picked in there, because I've picked like songs from Gurdas Maan, but I've also gone all the way to like Sidhu and Gunan or whatever. I think all of them are connected because there's just feeling. There's a lot of feeling in those songs, there's a lot of soul in those songs. Uh, one person that I couldn't put it like enough songs in there because they're not on Spotify, but Punjab BMC, as I've said like a million times. The 90s era Punjab BMC, just a different animal, different, different animal. I was just listening to Magic Dissy, like, as I was about to jump on call. There's a song in there called 100% Brandy. It's the Will Smith summertime beat with sped up Brandy vocals. The amount of soul that that takes, right? Especially, like, with his projects, he'll just have, like, some random interludes, like, some random, like, chops coming in, like, whatever. And it's, like, so rule-breaking. But at the same time, everything's grounded by a raw Punjabi folk vocal. And it's like, I don't know if he intentionally set out to go, oh, yeah, I'm going to take like the foundations of Punjabi music and soul and jazz and put them together. I just think that kind of marriage or that kind of blending just happens naturally because that's what he was listening to at, at the same time. Huh?
0: Two songs kind of stick out to me. Sat Soda suit and mm. those two are dance dance track bangers like for sure people are coming out to dance too could you talk about those two in your head do you do you see them as a little bit different from like the other songs you have on there
1: okay first in the jazzy one because I had already put in Dolly in mm. there which I think is one of the most underrated but also one of the best sad songs like ever and I thought Okay, that shows one side of Jazzy that we don't really, we don't really talk about. What's another side of Jazzy which actually we don't also talk about either? Because, you know, the songs that he's known for, Romeo Rambo, whatever, Surma, are like these gangster-like, hard-hitting songs. Mm-hmm. What's the enemy of happy? And Sadrangirang is like that for me, yeah. and it's a song that I'll play, and it's like, instant, like just joy. There's something about it that's just so like. I don't know, it, melodically and everything about it is just happy. Um Halari by Bindraki is like the same feeling for me. It's like, I'll hear that. And it's like, everything's hitting I'm like a synergy, like Bindraki is really floating through the beat and the music is really just again, just happy and joyous. And it's like a lot of the dance floor bangers you hear today aren't happy. They're like gangster, like shoot them up kind of tracks it. and you don't hear genuinely happy songs anymore. I feel like that that whole thing is missing, right? Like in the scene, and um, it it would be nice for people to bring that back as well. Are really essential to like the Punjabi psyche, like what what being Punjabi is and what Bhangra is all about, right? Like Bhangra is supposed to be like joyous and like really just sort of uplifting or inspiring, right? Or inspiring, and I think songs like that really do musically really do bring that out.
2: Coming as like a non-Punjabi speaker, I was like what is it that's evoking emotion in me? And it's like the pure joy of the vocalist and the instrumentation. And then like dance, I think, is the vessel to express that, right? But then nowadays, like you said, a lot of the dance songs, even in the Bhangra circuit, that Devon knows this, is like just darker and like a little bit kind of missing that joyous element. Or there's so many layers of effects and stuff and hip hop put on top of it that you lose out what the original song is. So it's nice to see those original songs as you go back and listen to them and be like, oh, that's what... Inspired original, Bumada, like back in
1: the day. Those are the songs that make you want to dance. And nowadays, you have to make ball mixes to all like the best big tracks to make it danceable. I'm hearing like ball mixes of like sad songs. I'm like, bro, you, what's what's actually going on? Like, are you are you not paying attention to like what the lyrics are saying? Like, I feel like it's overdoing it when if we just simplify everything, get a happy song. Get the right, like, again, sound selection is important. Those two songs are, like, the epitome of it. Like, Satran get on the drums are just per. Like, the drum break on that is perfect. The tool on it is perfect. Having all of that together, bringing that sound back would be, it'd just be amazing.
2: You talk a lot about, like, folk, uh, 80s, 90s being the inspiration. Like, how'd you kind of get introduced to that sound? Was it, like, through a specific person? Like, I know for me... A lot of my old Punjabiness came from my green Dodge caravan with my dad. So I was wondering if you had a similar story or a similar way of kind of being introduced to it.
1: Growing up and like around family and like similar to your story, what I'm hearing in the car or when I grew up, my dad had a van. So like we had a corner shop, right? So going to like cash and carries and stuff. What I was really listening to was like UK Pungrab, Alab, Burdesi, Hira, but also... Early 90s of Hujja, so Suradool, Hans, Harpajan, Man, Durga Rangila, that sort of era. And it wasn't clicking at the time, like, it, like not for me at all, at that age especially. At the same time, my dad, who most people know now, Dorky player, he was playing with Jazzy B a lot. So I was going to, like, those Rambo era shows, huh, and, like, for me, that album is just is just the, the most gangster album ever, right? But at some point, I just stopped listening to Punjabi music. I don't know what it was. I think a lot of people know, like, the UK sound became very, very stale. And obviously, remember that Just Rain video where he did that, that parody song? That is genuinely what, like, 99% of songs sounded like from here. I started listening to hip-hop. 2013, Born Sinner came out, J. Cole. That was, like, my gateway into hip-hop, really um uh, which is the perfect like the perfect album for it because it had a Nas feature it had a 50 Cent feature to eventually 2016 a short prince one time for you, one time for your mind yeah the true school album when that dropped and i listened to it i'm like what the fuck i was like what the fuck is this cuz i'd never really heard a folk vocal before like john k heard like a whole project of folk vocals and at the same time, it's like the most raw, disgusting hip hop beats ever. Like, especially like Punjabi surme Like that song was like, what? What is going on? And that's really what brought me into folk. And it just changed everything about the way specifically I see Punjabi music.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to jump in quick. So it sounds like what really drew you first was the marriage between production and vocals. And like, then you're talking about you kind of lost interest in Punjabi music when a phase in UK production kind of lost touch with that. And then this True School album kind of like brought you back to that.
1: I think that 2000s era, if we look back now, and there's a lot of nostalgia for it, because that's when we had a lot of live percussion, a lot of live instrumentation, full stop. And obviously a lot of raw vocals, to be fair. We're talking about the Lemburi era, the Kakka era, really, huh? It felt like the feeling was missing. Everyone was trying to make a dance floor banger like every week, right? And it was just annoying, especially for someone like me that I was listening to listen, like exclusively headphones, earphones in, just vibing out on And that True School album was like, whoa, Punjabi people are making albums like this because there's very few dance floor songs on there. There's maybe one or two. And the rest of it is very much like either down tempo or just, just grimy beats. And it's like, it didn't make sense to me until I went back to the folk here and it was like, oh, there's no dance floor bangers here. There's like, yeah. these are like really deep melodic tracks, Hannah. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how it worked.
2: How do you kind of evolve your music to integrate that new sound into it while still keeping like what's true to you, you know?
1: I'd say this on my trip to Punjab, we got a, a cab from Delhi to Punjab, right? So, like eight hours. And Uh, the radio was playing I didn't have any internet on my phone so we had just the radio I remember hearing that like the diddly radio thinking this is bollocks like what the what is this right and I'm thinking okay TK you'll be be better in Punjab right every time we've got like a bus or a car and one of my cousins or whatever is playing the orcs I'm thinking in my head what in the what is this? Like, what are you listening to right now, Hannah? There was no care. They were just like thrown together kind of songs. You, like you can tell, Hana. It got to a point like maybe two weeks in, I just asked my cousin, I was like, bro, why do you listen to this stuff, At it? <laughs> and he was like, in Punjab, we only care about lyrics. We don't care. It could literally be a guy beatboxing. We only care about what the geezer is saying, Hannah. <laughs> Immediately, I was texting people like, Yeah, it's an uphill battle. Because like, what do I do in this situation? Like, how do I compete against that? How do I break that? As soon as I got back, I don't know what it was. Within like a week, I probably made more beats than I've made in the last two, three years. When I heard all those songs, I think subconsciously, I immediately thought, yeah, I could do this better. Like, I can do what they're trying to do. Because everything they're listening to is just shoddy hip hop. Like, really, like, bland and just watered down hip hop. I can do that better. That's kind of how that came about. So I know if you ask a lot of people and you say, oh, what do you make music for? Is it for the money? Is it for other people to hear it? Or is it for yourself? For me, it's for other people to hear it. If it was just for myself, it'd just be on my laptop. I'd have private SoundCloud links. Like I wouldn't release anything. But making music and releasing music, in my opinion anyway, comes from a a certain place of ego in that you're saying, what I'm doing is uniquely original and people need to hear this. And to be honest, that's what my ego is. My ego is saying, listen, I've got a project, I've got a, a body of work that other people need to hear because, oh, nothing else like this exists. So again, going back to like Sidhu, Karan or whatever, for me, they were pushing like genres and pushing boundaries or whatever. I think I could do that in a folk context and it still be very original and still very creative Hannah. now
2: I? I, I think the stories and what you're telling us behind your music it's so evident why your like EP sounds the way it does and I've always wondered this is like what was that like first moment where you were like okay I'm really doing this I'm really about to make a song that's gonna play for everybody in the world and like I'm gonna meet like Harry Pond knew True School and like work with them. Like what, what was that moment? How did that feel? How'd you get to that moment? Like, if you want to like describe the the feeling and the story behind it.
1: I liked a, a check-on records post, right? And within five minutes, less than that, really, my dad calls me and he was like, yo, the weirdest thing happened. True school phoned me, said, what does your son make beats? And my dad was like, he didn't know, and it like my dad didn't follow me on Instagram or anything like that, Anna. And he, like, True School couldn't have sussed it out, but he must have just saw my last name Gallard, and he was like, "All right, it. and he was like, "Yeah, he wants to speak to you." I'm like, "Shit, okay," because <laughs> now I'm thinking I'm probably gonna gonna get a bollocking or something. Like, yeah, your beats are whack. You should do this, that, and the other. I text him and I go you're right uncle like this that the other and he just said laughing faces back and he goes no one's ever called me uncle in their lives I'm <laughs> like... and then he called me and he's just like yeah you know what i think you've got potential um let's sit down and talk so up until this point i'd really only be making like hip-hop beats and to be honest like very like bare bones beats and i know? like the hip-hop that I've listened to as I've gone over the years, the stuff I listen to today is like Griselda, so like West Side Gun, Conway the Machine, but like Rock Mark Piano, um stuff produced anything produced by Mad Lib, anything produced by Alchemist, like that's my hip-hop. So a lot of the stuff I was making was just like drumless sample loops, right? Mm. Which from a Punjabi's perspective, no one's gonna clock, no one's gonna get that then like the next week. We drove over to Derby and we sat down with him. And this was, I want to say, October 2020. And he was like, listen, I could send you some vocals, see what you can do with it. That's all it was. And he was like, there's no pressure. If you make something in your own spare time. And he was like, listen, but if, if if you flop your uni year this year, I'm never going to talk to you again. And I'm like, okay. I was like, all right, calm. And um, that was it. And then maybe a month or two later, he sends me an email with three Harry Bundle vocals, the three that turned out to be on the on the tape. Mm-hmm. And I'm listening thinking, ah, what do I even do? Like, what do I actually do? Because I'd never worked with vocals up, up until this point. And his whole thing was, can you see if these vocals match any of your beats now what he didn't know at this point is i don't have a library of beats and again all my beats are just loop like loop samples so like what am i actually going to do so i realized very quick like i'm going to have to make all these from scratch like and i just didn't i just didn't know how to do it and um it it took ages it took ages i started with liquid swords because i thought Pika this-y, um both Jata Or whatever in it Like I'll just I'll mix I'll mix something dissy out of this innit? And I Every single Tolki loop You could ever find I used yeah. on that Every single Tumbi loop You could ever find I used on that Like Every single Like Dissi sample I ever used I used on that And I sent him to him One by one by one And each time He was like Nope 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 I was like Fuck this I do, doing this <laughs> I ain't doing this Let me pin that And then Eventually I was like You know what Let me try out people's caught one in it and got some chords down then slowly but surely i added some samples in right which uh, a lot of people aren't gonna clock when you hear it but there's like three or four different like 70 samples in there and they're all laid quite nicely and i was like Yo, it sounds all right actually and i was like you know what i want to use like a rim shot i want to do this that and the other and as i'm layering everything down this was like all in like one night i listened back at the end i'm like yo this sounds all right actually it sounds all right and i sent it to him and he was like no nah, i don't like it i'm like what like the, the, the version you hear like on the table like no nah, i don't like it um no 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 this is the one like honestly this is the one he's like nah nah don't like it and i was like listen just sit with it for a week. Next week. Next yeah, did you sit with it? Did you show people You're like, yeah, it's all right, but listen, I still don't like it. And I'm like, no, nah, no. Nah. At at this point, I'm like, how do I say it to this geezer? Like, how do I say it to he's Like, this is the one. And I think this is where, if I'm being like a hundred percent honest, this is where, like, having my dad is a huge benefit, right? In terms of, like, might as well just say I'm like a nepo baby, and it, like this is where it comes in, where it's like, listen. I can I could kind of push it in a certain sense because I had that security right? Mm. I, was like, I was like no no this has to be on there isn't it? and eventually I think just a couple of weeks went by and there was no he didn't give me any agreement and I just remember randomly he messaged me he goes okay listen so you got that one done what about the next one? I'm like thank god that one's done and it and then it was at that, that's the point I was like, shit, I've actually, I've got something here. And I thought it was just going to be a single. I thought, yeah, Tiga, I got my mate's, my mate's dad to do the artwork. And that was it. It was only until like, I can't remember what month it was now, like April, maybe. I just on a random one, I opened up the, it was just called Z Security on my files. I was like, I just opened it up and I had... I should, I'm not actually. I'm not gonna say where the samples from, but I had like just this piano loop, right? And I chucked it on top, and I was like, "Whoa, this actually got like the chords go, like the chords completely match." And in my head, I could hear that drum break as well. So I've laid the drum break. I've, it's just two tracks, right? Just got that and that. I'm like it's done. That's it. And uh, as I padded it out, added the flute, this, that, and the other. I remember sending that to True School maybe a couple of days later, and the reply I got. Yeah, this sounds good. I was like, what? That again, that's the point where I was like, yeah, this this something, something's not right here. Like I don't know how this is happening. Like, just randomly, like, do you get what I'm saying? And um I just had those two tracks and I had a liquid sword sounded completely different. So I had a version of that made, which I don't know if that's ever gonna see the light of day, but it just sounds like some um Jay Dilla like madly really weird just re- it sounds really strange to be like it sounded like a really strange beat and it had a lot of switches and, and whatever and I thought that was it yeah got three songs made and um eventually got an intro made got an interlude and I was planning on going to Europe for six weeks so I had a, a trip plan, trip planned and I thought TK I've got an EP done I'll just sort it out when I come back like the artwork and whatever whatever and we'll have it released like at some point the day before i fly out he calls me We'd, we were at the cinema my whole family and i can't remember what film it's some net, like awful gippy good of film right he call, he calls me while i'm sitting there i'm like i'll just pick it up i, I ran out picked it up and he was like listen that liquid sword trunk it's, it's not gonna work like that's that's just we can't use that because it's, it's it just doesn't make sense like it sounds too weird <laughs> So that day, like as I got back home, and then the following day, I made the beat again. That's it. That's that's just how it happened. Like had this, I kept a switch in there at the end, obviously, and it turned out to be like beat wise my favorite thing I'd ever made. Like up until that point, I was just like, what? I don't know how I'd made it, just just like a proper random sequence of events that led to making that tape. The fact that you pushed for People's Court,
2: like I'm going to be honest, the only reason we're having this interview is because of that song. The other songs are obviously great, but like that one was like, I've never heard this before. I have way more questions for sure. I I mean, the first one is why Grove Lane Tales? Where's the name come from? Album art, where does that come from?
1: So the first title I had was Enter the Dragon. That was like for the longest time, I thought, yeah, I'm going to call it Enter the Dragon. Like sick movie. And also the um, the reason I knew of Harry Bundle was because of that AK, AK Amazing clip where he's like Harry Bundle dropping vocals like a dragon or whatever and it a fire like a dragon. And then I hadn't told like True School this for ages. And then again, like maybe a week or two before leaving, he like he's like, yeah, have you got a name for it? I was like, Enter the Dragon. He was like, geezer, that's my favorite film. But listen, make it about you. Like forget, forget Harry. Forget the film. Make it about yourself. I ain't got a clue. I, again, I didn't have a clue, like, where to go with it. And um, I had a bunch of different ideas. I knew at this point, so this is before the intro and the interlude had made. I knew, like, as I was just exploring my own taste of what I wanted to bring out, wrestling was a big part of it. And I was like, all right, maybe something to do with wrestling. I don't know. It's like stupid and basically that that title came about because the first like i'd say like a mixtape or whatever that i released during lockdown was called grove lane stories which was for me a play on like gta right like grove street and this that and the other. like i had that made in 2020 i just kept thinking shit man i blew my load like <laughs> it's such a bad boy title like it's like let's just call it grove lane tales like let me just switch the stories to tales let me do that the title itself grove lane stories came about because that mixtape was inspired by handsworth rights in 1985 so i'm originally from handsworth i went to school in handsworth on grove lane and um that's just where I i just thought it sounded sick and that's where the title came about. I remember my mates afterwards was like, "Thank God you didn't call it like Aja Below" or something, like just some next like you know like yeah just freshy like album titles in it. Like thank God you did something that's true to you because I realised afterwards, especially then when I did the intro and interlude, which credit to True School, he was the one that was like, "Listen, why don't you do an intro and interlude? Like, you got three songs here, make it a body of work." When he said intro and interlude, like add that in. Changed it from an EP to the point where you just called it an album. People call it an album to me. And it's like, whoa, like it's, it's barely like 15 minutes long. Like, how's that, how, like, how's that happened? It? it It made just three songs sound like a full project that reflects me and what I listen to and where I grew up and the sounds that I grew up on. The photo that's included on it of an old Mercedes, that was taken... I don't know if you're familiar with Young Singh, the DJ. I was at his boiler room set in... It was late 2020 as well, I think. I think it was summer of 2020 or late 2020. And um, that was just parked outside. Was like, that looks cool, man. I like the graffiti. like the... So I just took the picture of it. And I remember that story of Kanye when he was making Ye. And he took... He just... like Apparently on the way to the listening party, he saw the hills, Wyoming hills, took a picture drew on it like in the iphones app and that became the cover right i'm like all right let me just find like a photo in my own album art like let me just let me just find one and that stuck out and in terms of the arrangement and stuff a Kid like wanted to make it look like a vinyl cover so you got the super seven written at the top like seven inch ep or whatever um track list is on there the sort of sticker so everything about it screams sort of i don't know that sort of vintage look
2: i have this key test if the album cover is good, the whole album will be good because the art like the artist took the time to like make sure that the visual interpretation of the music is carried out.
1: I think the number one influence on the artistic side, the aesthetic side, the visual side is cinema. Like I'm a massive geek, nerd, whatever, like I'm on Letterboxd 24/7 like just looking at films like logging films, ready to watch the next film or whatever. And that's where that really comes from. And 3AM's artwork is from a film from 1934, a French film called Atalante. I don't know if I was like, it's definitely butcher the pronunciation, right? Okay. When I was listening to 3AM, and again, that's the process really. I'll listen to the track and it's like, okay, what am I picturing? What's going on here? And that film really came to my head. And that's how the artwork came about. Because I remember that scene with um, him sort of drowning and sort of trying to find his lost love, basically. And he's sort of there, like the way I pictured it, it was like she's there in his head, like she can't leave him alone. And uh, that artwork sort of reflects that because I wanted to do a whole music video for it, right? Um, And the idea I had was like, because I'm into like film photography, I wanted to do like a, a stop motion style video, right? And... Are completely underestimated how much film that takes and how expensive film is now. Mm-hmm. So it was, yeah, that 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 took a lot. And I don't know, like a cliche fight. That was that was shot outside my school. It was sort of like a cliche high school romance sort of like fight um, happening on the street. And she leaves and you're, it's a classic like bloke story of, you know, you did her wrong. Mm-hmm. And the one that's upset and down bad about it, like you just sort of like wallowing about like, yeah I fucked up I messed up mm-hmm. and that's how this video came about so um on cinema I might as well say, like the, the films that I'm like really interested in and stuff um more old school would be like Ingmar Bergman is just the god the absolute god right um more recent um films like The Lighthouse which is just just next level like next level for me Again, 3am, like, aesthetically, I had, like, these these sort of things come in mind, right? And, um, yeah, and ultimately, the, the, the God is, like, Scorsese for me. Scorsese is, like, just every film, always always a banger, like, um, yeah, just, I don't know. I, I could talk about it for days, but, like, cinema for me is, like, the number one influence, even beyond, probably beyond music, to be honest. What do um, you study in uni? I did. I did history. I did history at uni, and um, in my second year, there was a option to do film and history, so I did that paper, and we watched film. It started with, I think it started with Birth of a Nation, like was that that KKK film, right? And um, you know, Casablanca and this that and like Bicycle Thieves and stuff like that. And the, the special the specialty that I picked was French cinema from the 1930s. So I did La Talante, The Grand Illusion, Rules of the Game. Like these films for me are just like too good, right? And um I guess I don't know that that sort of ties it like that does tie in with the music and stuff. And like that really did pique my interest in going back and watching like Bergman or whatever. And like yeah, it sort of just expands out from there. And actually in my third year, I did a dissertation on Wu Tang Clan. So I mean it it, it went back it, it sort of went full circle that way it. And uh yeah that, that was really that was really good as well.
2: I mean this EP would sound tremendous on a vinyl player. Is that something that you think you might do in the future? Cause like I think your music is so conducive for a vinyl track.
1: I, I'm a collector myself and the amount of messages I got, like maybe a week after release, like listen, when you're getting this on vinyl when are you this vinyl, I was like, Yeah, chill in, I'll do it. And then I looked at prices, I was like, Shh. fingers crossed the one year anniversary. Hopefully, I'll have something by then. And hopefully by then I'll have more listeners in it so they can actually buy it as well. A lot of the stuff that you hear on Spotify is just ripped from vinyl, they don't have the original masters or whatever. So you hear the crackle, you hear like the imperfections, right? And again that's something i wanted to bring out in the ep where it's just like it sounds it almost sounds in places undercooked you don't know if i intentionally did that or a lot of times i didn't intentionally do that It just it is genuinely undercooked that's that's kind of how i saw it that's the synergy between a, a vinyl record and trying to reverse engineer that and create an analog sound
2: you listen to something like bulletproof or you listen to something like um like liquid swords I remember, like, it felt like I was in the recording studio. Like, it was being recorded for, like, a vinyl record.
1: There is barely any EQ. There's barely any tuning. Like, what you hear is, like, what he sang. And that's that's how it worked in the 80s. They there was, no, there was no pausing. There was no, like, listen, okay, you did the first verse. Let's come back after a tea break. Let's do the second verse. They recorded it in one take with the musicians there. And... Like trying to cre- recreate that with the EP was. I do think that the further we stray from that, and you see a vocal chain with like fifteen EQs on it, a reverb, and like this, that, and the other, it's like you're overdoing it, and you've 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 sucked all the feeling out of the the vocal.
0: For you in your lane, what what does being folk mean? What does keeping it folk mean?
1: That's that's a really good question because. I, as you've heard in the EP, as you've heard in 3am and a Sufi tale, there is no live instrumentation, right? There's no tulki, there's no tabla, there's no mandolin, there's none of that, right? And if you asked me two, three years ago what folk is, I would have said you need all of those things for yeah. it to be a song, kind of. We need to evolve with the times. You need to, you know, be cognizant of the fact that, but the more you box in folk to that kind of I don't know those kind of rules, you make folk more and more of a niche subgenre by the minute, right? Because how many people are actually going out of the way to, to do that? Like the number one thing for me is if I was describing folk and I know it's like really wishy-washy and like whatever, it's about soul, man. It's about like it's about feeling, right? It's like tapping into something that's like intangible, right? Like again to go back to Punjab BM's. There's a Punjab BMC song that I put in here with Sounds of the Deer, right? Which is a hip hop song. It's like, it's him rapping and it's a hip hop beat. Mm -hmm. It's folk. For me, that's folk. Like, every part of that, I don't know if it's the sample choice or what, like, whatever's going on in that song. The fact that it's just made with feeling for me is what makes it folk.
2: What does your dad think about your music? Like, there's no Tolkien and stuff. So, like, <laughs> I'm interested to see, like, I'm also a percussionist. So when I heard this, I'm, like, waiting for the beats to kick in. And yet I also don't care at the same time that they're not coming in.
1: Yeah, my dad, I don't know, just, like, a, a legendary percussionist, right, from the UK, and started when he was a kid. And he started with Satrang, then Suffery Boys, and, like, Bomb the dumbi another fine mess. That's all him. And then, obviously, love it. love was him. And then flipping, you know, works his way up to like Milky, the and Jazzy, and this that and the other. And that's the that's the context I grew. That's what I grew up on in it. Like, and the expectation for me the whole time was, you know, some Mundawi much Like, does he play as well? I always had that insecurity, or like, um, I don't know, imposter syndrome or whatever. Like, mm. I'm never gonna be as good as him. So what do I do? Because as much as I could practice like for a million hours and try and perfect it and do that, this, that, and the other, what, he, how he grew up and how he played like completely bundled off school, didn't go to university and dedicated his whole life to it. Yeah. If I can't do that, I'm never going to be as good as him. And if I'm, and my thinking always, always was, if I can't be as good or better than him, what's the point of me doing it? Right. Like what am I actually doing it for? And you know, like again through hip hop, I realized production is kind of where I want to like bring my my own voice out because again, I might not be like a professional percussionist, but I think like through drum arrangements or whatever, I try and bring, I like, try and pay homage to that kind of thing. Like mm. um, I talked about it before, Doctor Zeus. I don't know if I added, the, I don't know if I added the song. Um, yeah, Middle of the Yard. Yeah, I yep. did add it. The groove on that and like. What he's done in terms of the doubler and the drums on that. Zeus doesn't play an instrument, but there's something about it that makes you think, yo, this guy, is this guy like Zaka to say to something? Like, how does he know? Like, how does he know like, to do there? Like, how does he do that? And that's why, like, on people's court, I've, I've like intentionally bought the talking loop at the start. I was like, yeah, bund it off. That's it. It's like four bars and you're never going to hear it again. Because mm-hmm. it's like, at the time, I was only making it for like people that knew me or, My dad's mates to whatever in it. I didn't think, like, you lot would hear it. So it was, like, a big, like, middle finger to them. Like, oh, you thought this was going to be, like, a talkie. Like, you thought you are going to hear, like, a a percussion, like, on this song. Nah, it's done. That's it. Drop. That's it. You're not going to hear it again. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know, rebelling against it and being like, yeah, this is what you wanted me to do. These are the expectations you put on me. Fuck off. Like, this is what you're (laughs) going to get, man. And... um, yeah so that that's kind of where that that came out and when i showed my dad it yeah i was i was bricking it i was like yeah he's gonna hate it like he's not gonna love it at all his response was this is completely different like what you lot are saying is what he said it was like this is completely different thank god like if he likes it and he sees that we're done like we're we're off to the races kind of thing so um yeah thank god he did like it (laughs) and it
2: who would you like or who would be a dream collaboration within the future? And then, I guess, what are your future plans, uh regardless of that question as well?
1: I'd say I'm going to say these are dream and like nightmare collabs because I think the expectations when you when you mention these artists and you see their name, a lot of people have an expectation of what their sound is going to be, and the immediate reaction, if it's something different, is like, nah, man, we wanted to hear them on that. So number one in that is Jazzy B, it? Like, if you hear a Jazzy B song and it's not on Jordan or whatever, like, you're like, nah, man, you should have done that, bro. Like, you should have done this. And it's, I would love to do something so different and, like, so completely, like, left field with him and just annoy people. Like, I'd love to do that. And someone else I'd love to do that with is Sarinda Shinda. Left field, Prophecy, I'd love to work with Prophecy. I don't, Two guys that I love. Himut Sundu and Raj Soha, the one that did uh, Jetty last year, I think. I sick, sick vocalists, especially Raj. I think like he's got he's got that back, like like you like he has that background of coming from a Punjabi team and he's like dropped board leads and whatever. And you can see he has that in his vocal, like in his texture or ever. And back to like what I'm doing next, I, I like taking my time and I like I like just sort of. If it happens, it happens. Like with the EP, it just happened. And if I sit here and try and force a song out, it, it's just not going to sound good. A couple months after the EP, True School phoned me, was like, Listen, so do you want to hear some vocals? Show me a bunch of vocals. I was like, yeah, yeah, all right, this is cool. These are cool. These are cool. Sent me a bunch over. And I tried to make ones with every single one of them, couldn't make anything. Come back a week later. I hear that 3 a.m. one. If you look at the project file, like producers and djs will get this like there's like four tracks like there's not there's nothing to it do you know what i'm saying there's nothing to that song so for ages for like a week or two i was just listening to it like ah this doesn't sound right man like i swear it need something else and i kept showing people and they're like no this sounds sick this sounds sick i'm like Nah, nah, nah. i need something else I need something else so what if i made it in like in no time at all like this is what it is it and then we just put it out and like the response to that one was sick so I wanna keep working that way. I don't want to be like it's it's corny in it because I'm not on that level, but I don't want to be a slave to the algorithms or like listen, the this this trend is like this sound is trending right now. We need a song for this right now. Yeah, hopefully I'm trying to make a an EP, trying to make another EP. Because I'm hoping Grove Lane is a bit it's like a bit of a trilogy in my head now. It's a bit like a there's like a little bit of a storyline going on or whatever in it. So yeah
2: but if you had advice to like producers or like bangra djs or just djs in general looking to get into the production space like what advice would you give
1: it's so mad that like i'm getting <laughs> i'm getting asked to like to give advice because it i feel so new to it myself but from the little i've learned the music game and your career is going to be a long one you want it to be a long one i you know if you come out the gate sounding like someone else and you're like listen and you get some quick placements like oh i'm working with this guy now i'm working with this guy and all of a sudden you're on however many streams or whatever mm-hmm. a year two years three years from now when the sound changes what do you have to show for it and there's that punjabi saying lambi <laughs> right like is it's, it's a marathon right like you really need to prep yourself for that and the other thing is I I hate networking like I hate like I'm really not good at it like I'm really bad at it but I've learned it it goes a long way like it goes a long way just telling people yeah I love your music like what can I do sharing people's music or this that and the other it goes a long way so those two things and you never know how that might spiral into more collabs or opportunities or this that and the other this is incredible
2: like this is awesome um viggy simmer if you have any more i i think we're like an hour and a half in so like again we we have enough to keep going i'm assuming for four five six hours and we will but i think you know for me or viggy specifically I, it's going to take so much time to edit through everything that's been gold and like so good so like we should probably start capping it off a little bit or else we're going to be in front of our computers
1: <laughs> no, d- no, d- listen I-, I could be all night man i could if- <laughs> <laughs> Films and like music, I could be it all night. But uh, no, I appreciate you reaching out, man. Like, I I didn't know it, it, This the conversation was gonna go like this, but um, like, the chance to actually curate a playlist, this like raw or whatever, and then talk about it long form is something that I've been dying to do again. Like, what I talked about before, music coming from a place of ego, like. Mm-hmm. A lot of this is just from a place of, I don't know, pride and like, I don't know, self-righteousness where it's like, listen, I want to tell people about my taste. I want to tell people like what I'm into and stuff. And like, be able to do that. Yeah, I I appreciate it, man, massively. (laughs)